Hey, welcome everybody. It's another uh, podcast of the Journal of Lifestyle Medicine. I'm the Dread Pirate Roberts. Uh, I was running with scissors. Uh, no, that's not true. I'm Sven Hosford and uh, the usual uh, host of this here podcast. With me today is one Linda Means uh, here on December 2nd, 2014. Uh, as you probably know, I had some eye surgery a few weeks ago and uh, we've been taking a few weeks to do some self-care. And uh, Linda happens to be pretty good at this kind of thing. So with the winter season upon us and uh, me not reading very well on screen, uh, we thought it was a really good time to try out uh, something new with our podcast. So we're going to do, for the month of December, we're going to do self-care. We're going to focus on first the ABCs of self-care, and then we'll do uh, an episode on holiday self-care right around Christmas time. And then uh, something really special for the New Year's week. Uh, Linda is also a John of God guide. She takes people down to Brazil to see the uh, spiritual healer down there. So uh, it'll be a really fun uh, few weeks here, especially for me, since I don't have to go out and face the freezing rain outside. And uh, so we're just going to um, jump right into this. Oh, I, I, I guess we should also say that this is also going to be the start of uh, a uh, trying uh, kind of a test run of a new set of uh, podcasts that we want to do. First of all, welcome. And thanks for being with me. Thank you, Sven. Yeah. Happy to be here today. Yeah. It's been uh, quite a few weeks here and I've learned uh, so much about self-care from you. It's so amazing. You have some of these practices that are just uh, amazing. Well, we'll get into it. We've got a, a several podcasts to fill up here. So um, okay. let's get right to that. So, um, Let's start with a little bit about uh, your background here. You didn't actually start out as a massage therapist, right? No, I didn't. I was a, a corporate research scientist in artificial intelligence for 18 years. My goodness. Never knew I was going to be a massage therapist. <laughs> so what kind of artificial intelligence did you work on? The, the confluence of linguistics and computer science, natural language processing, and hmm. human uh, speech interfaces, and so on. Okay. And then you had a little bit of a health crisis, as most of the people I've discovered mm -hmm. in, in this industry, it's usually their own health crisis or somebody else's health crisis close to them. Tell us uh, what happened to you. I got cancer. Oops. And then I got, I got more cancer oh, geez. within two years. And um, I, was, I was in my early 40s, I guess, at that time. And um, a lot of people were surprised that I had cancer because I had, a, I, I had outwardly healthy lifestyle. Speaking of lifestyle oh. medicine, outwardly. Um, I, I ate a healthy vegetarian diet. I practiced yoga. I was a meditator. But I, I realized the moment that I found out that I had cancer, that there was more to it somehow, no. that there was something in the way that I was walking through this world that was malignant and hmm. that was um, creating body chemistry that, that made me prone to cancer. And I knew right away that I needed to go on a journey of exploration inside myself to look at every aspect of how I was living and how I relate to myself, to my own body, to my mind, mm. um, find what was not serving me well and having the willingness to make any kind of changes in my life. And so I set out on that process. Mm. 
So your background as a research scientist actually maybe helped you research this new path that you were on? Is that how you kind of went after it or was that how you saw it? Like this was your new, this was your new research project? Well, but in, in, a, in a very personal way, and I would say not in a scientific sort of mm. way, more, maybe in an anti-scientific sort of way, <laughs> because as a research scientist, I had spent years studying nutrition and studying yoga and studying the energy body, you know, for my own personal use, and I got cancer. Mm. So, so my approach when I needed to get really serious about deep transformational healing was to let go of the analytical aspects of my, my study of self because my analytical mind was very, very strong. I was a research scientist and I, and I saw that my analytical mind, my scientific mind may be getting in the way, it may be blocking my perception and my experience of the more subtle aspects of my life. Well, this is a this is a great uh, part of the topic I want to get into, and this is really going to fill up, I think, a lot of our time is mm -hmm. to discover what it is or who it is, or what is the consciousness that you started to develop a, a relationship with, that, that consciousness that was inside the body. So this is how you kind of came around with this idea of the self care, right? The ABCs, the ABCs of self healing. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yes. Well, um, let's, uh, you wrote about, well, first, you wrote about the uh, uh, oncology massage and the fall issue. So you are actually pretty well versed in, in the subject as you are now cancer-free and have been for how many years? Since uh, 99. Okay. Mm -hmm. So quite a while. Yeah. All right. So 15 you're, years. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. So uh, let's get right into it then. Uh, you talk about self-healing. Um, give us a give us an overriding goal for self-healing, or what what is the major mission here, and how does that relate to lifestyle medicine? Well, our healing process. We oftentimes think of the healing process as something that is directed by doctors, by therapists, by other wellness professionals, whereas. They, those wellness professionals can provide a lot of help, a lot of guidance. They can help us um, with acute situations. But in terms of the, the underlying basis for what we experience in our health, not only physically, but mentally and emotionally, the underlying basis is, has to be self-directed because we're dealing with things that only you can experience yourself. There's no doctor, there's no psychotherapist who can really know what it's like to be you, living inside your body and living with your mind. So these are those invisible undercurrents that occur in a chronic sort of way. And we're going to talk today about the relationship and giving attention to the body and the mind, because the body and the mind and the emotional body all are like a hologram. This is what we refer to as the holistic aspect of our experience, of our health, and our healing process. The, the, the emotional body, the physical body, the mental body are always on the same wavelength, number one. Yeah. Number two, you can change 
the wavelength, either by creating some sort of a shift mentally, emotionally, or physically, and everything else in your experience is going to come into sync with that. So the holistic healing process involves paying attention especially to the to your relationship with your body and your mind and the habitual chronic um, distortions or imbalances that may arise from the way that you use your body, the way that you relate to your body, mm -hmm. or the workings, the habitual workings of your mind and how that affects your body. Now, it's interesting that you should, you say how the parts of all of our bodies work together holistically. And I think one of the reasons we have to be our own health coach and, and health director is because our whole system does not work that way. So for example, you know, they sent me home with this after this eye surgery and said, okay, look at the floor for the next two weeks, which is kind of problematic to begin with. But then the eye doctor doesn't have any way to guide me on what to do about the amazing amount of neck pain that developed just in two or three days from walking around with my head down all the time, you know, and I was supposed to rest and I did a lot. So the doctor, the eye doctor is not going to do anything about the neck pain, but then if you take things for pain relief and then some other things kind of pop up, you know, you've got to be on top of all of this and see and feel how everything relates because nobody else is going to. Right? That's, that's part of this whole picture of self-healing. That's right. Yeah. Okay. So we're going to talk about the ABCs of self-healing. And um, this week, uh, in this podcast, we're going to talk about A, which is awareness and attention. And also Elisa, who's here to be our uh, victim <laughs> for part of this podcast. So, um, and then in B is breaking bad habits. And then C is consistency or commitment. So today we want to talk about awareness and attention. So what exactly are we bringing awareness to and how is that going to help us here in this whole healing process? We are bringing awareness to the most chronic habitual behaviors that occur in our body and in all our those bad minds. Habits. Yeah, all those uh, bad habits, basically the things that the, the aspects of our life, physically, mentally, and emotionally, that are on autopilot and maybe not in a good way. There's there's so much. I mean, we, we have busy lives. I don't know about you. I, well, I do know about you. I know that you do. I do too, and so does Elisa. And so there are so many things competing for our attention. And our, our bodies and our internal uh, mechanism is often the last thing that gets any of our attention and in fact we frequently only really really give attention to the body when it starts screaming, it starts at, screaming us. at us yeah. so so if we are able to develop a practice of deeper more frequent focus of our awareness on the chronic habitual workings of our mind and our body we're going to make discoveries about the root causes of our imbalances, of, of our, our stress patterns, of our uh, body issues, and that gives us an opportunity to then address those, those issues and make some changes. And I often go back to thinking about the way that this process is described by an author named Jean Shinoda Bolin, MD. 
She wrote a book called Close to the Bone, Life-Threatening Illness as a Soul Journey. And in this book, she talks about the Greek myth of Psyche and Eros. Psyche was a very beautiful princess. And um, the oracle uh, instructed the king that she needed to be married to um, a, a, an unknown bridegroom. And the king followed the oracle's advice and sent her off to a mountaintop castle where her bridegroom lived. But there was something very strange going on because she never saw her bridegroom, Psyche. He would come to her in the middle of the night, in the darkness of the night, and make love with her, and then he would leave. She never saw his face. Mm. So she began to get a little concerned and curious about this. She wondered, is he a god or is he a demon? And she spoke with her sisters about this, and they suggested that she take a lamp and a knife into her bedchamber. Mm. And the next time that her husband came in, shrouded in darkness, to light the lamp, take a look at him and see whether he is actually a god or a demon. Mm. And if she sees a demon, to take that knife and cut off his head with it. So Psyche got her lamp and her knife. So Psyche was the woman. She was the princess. The princess, and mm -hmm. Eros was. Eros was her husband. Okay. So, so she had her lamp and her knife. She illuminated the lamp when her husband came in. Oh, this story has a happy ending. Well, then. you think. <laughs> yeah, because, Somebody named Eros. Yeah, yeah, because her husband, in fact, was not a demon. He was the god of love, Eros, and they lived happily ever after. But Dr. Uh, Bolin uses this metaphor, which I really love, to describe the, um, the self-healing process. It, and, and when we uh, relate this to the ABCs of self-healing we're talking about here this month, first of all, A, attention, that's the lamp. You light the lamp. Look around inside to see what you're dealing with, to see the truth that has has not come to light before. B, the knife breaking habits. Mm. And, and C, uh, commitment, consistency, continuity. Having the commitment, the willingness to wield that knife. When you light that lamp and you see something that doesn't serve you well, are you really willing to take that knife and, and sever whatever the consequences have been of, of those behaviors? Mm. So that, uh, that process then of lighting the lamp and wielding the knife if needed, that's mm -hmm. the consistency. That's what we have to do over and over and over again. Yes, over and over again. Okay. And that was my, my, the commitment that I made to myself when I had cancer. It's been a happy ending for me, too, <laughs> because I have experienced deep transformation, um, especially in... Um, in my um, emotional behavior, my emotional relationship with myself, psychologically, in every way, and all of this has translated to physical healing. Well, those of us who know you know you're one of the happiest people that any of us have ever met. So obviously it's working. That's because of my lamp and my knife. You've got your lamp and yeah. your knife. That's so, what I need. <laughs> well, what we're going to do then is uh, let you do a demo here on our willing victim, Alisa. 
uh, and show us a little bit about how that awareness works when we're focusing it on the bottom. Yes. Okay? yes. Okay, so let's move into that. All right. So we've got our, uh, our uh, willing accomplice here, Elisa, is on the table. Uh, and Do you want to pop your head up and say hi? <laughs> 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 for Elisa. Yeah, we asked for, for a volunteer, but she, she had to volunteer quickly. Uh, so Linda, show us how you're going to light that lamp. We're going to bring that awareness and attention to the human body. Well, Esalen Massage was developed at the Esalen Institute in Big Sur, California in the early 60s. And it was established to be a center for the study of human potential. And it was established by two humanistic psychologists, Michael Murphy and Dick Price. And they were bringing humanistic psychologists around from all over the world to share and, and develop new practices together, to study each other's work, to develop innovative techniques for helping people break through to higher levels, emotionally, mentally, and physically. And part of the philosophy of the humanistic psychologists at that time, including the early, the early Gestalt therapists, who were all gathering together at the Esalen Institute, was that much of the work in psychiatry and psychotherapy tends to focus on people who are the most extremely dysfunctional, people at the far end of the, spe the, the spectrum, um, depression, schizophrenia, other kinds of mental illnesses, and uh, um, extreme emotional dysfunction, and trying to find ways to help move those people with very, very severe dysfunction more into the, the normal range of human functioning. But the, the humanistic psychologist said, well, what's so great about the normal range? <laughs> Can't we do better than that? This was we the 60s, be, after all. Yeah, we should be looking at the people who are, function at the most highest level, the people who are healthiest, happiest, most productive, most highly spiritual, mm -hmm. and, and learn ways of moving ourselves from a, just a normal average range of a mental emotional functioning to this higher level. And this is, is really the, what is called the process of self-actualization or self-realization. To find, to, to eliminate the things that limit us from, from being all that we can be, from operating at our fullest potential in every way. So, the, the early Gestalt therapists were working together at Esalen and they started to discover that when they added body awareness exercises to um, talk therapy and the other methods that they were using, that this was uh, facilitating and accelerating emotional and uh, mental health breakthroughs. So a number of therapists began, body workers began to gather at Esalen to develop a modality that was intended for this purpose to help you 
um, bring awareness into your body, feel what's going on, quiet your mind, slow down your brain waves, and experience yourself in, in a fuller, deeper, more subtle way. That is the, was the, the birth of Esma Massage. So in essence, they found that through bringing your attention into the body, you were literally able to slow down your nervous system. Yes, yes, and and um, shifts can occur in in any way in in terms of your chronic function or dysfunction. So I noticed, like you're giving uh, Lisa mm -hmm. some gentle rocking, mm -hmm. just kind of. Yes, I'm just helping her settle into the table. As an Esalen therapist, I use a lot of different techniques to help you to quiet your mind, get the attention out of the mind, the busy monkey mind, bring your attention into the body. Um, passive movement of the body like this, rocking, stretching, uh, shaking, wiggling, all helps to focus your attention on something good that's happening in the body because so much of our attention in the body is focused on the things that are hurting, mm. the things that are going wrong. And when we focus on the body in that way, um, typically our, our reaction to what is happening in the body is fear, worry, anger, frustration. So even if Elisa is hurting, I want to help her to have an experience in the body that that feels good. Even the parts that are hurting, I want to make the kind of contact with them that, that makes them feel like they're really being attended to. And I want to help her experience her body in a very connected, whole sort of way. Well, I think I want to reiterate one point too, and that is that you know so many people have trouble getting out of their monkey mind. They can't make their mind slow down so they can meditate. And here is a specific practice uh, designed to do just that, get you out of your head and into your body. Yes, and there are many techniques that I use for that. I, I use um, extremely beautiful, compelling, captivating music during the massage that it, that draws your attention. Uh, sometimes I sing with the music because that may draw your attention too. I'm, I'm choreographing the massage with the music, so you're actually feeling the music in the body. It's like a form of kinesthetic music therapy. I'm, I, I especially like doing things, moving the body in ways that you can't move the body yourself. So for example, even just holding my hand on Lisa's sacrum and rocking her sacrum like this, mm -hmm. this is something that she can't really do. So it's something, it's sort of a new and interesting sensation in her body. Mm -hmm. And if she enjoys it, then she may keep her attention there to how good that feels. And she may start to notice that this movement just on the sacrum um, traverses the entire body. And you can see that movement in the feet all the way up the legs. I can feel that movement in her neck. Mm. So she's starting to have a whole body experience here. Just with this one little movement, this one little bit of rocking, she's feeling how the whole body moves together in response to movement from the sacrum. And there are various ways that you can make use of this experience on the massage table. So for example, I may, I may come to 
Elisa's leg here. Do a nice long stretch. She's feeling the whole left side of her body. When I stretch like this, I may take her, her whole leg and foot and just lift it off the table and, and dangle it. So here she's feeling the movement, the natural movement of the ankle, the knee, and the hip, and how they all work together, how they all move together. And this is something that Elisa can't do by herself. So again, this is another new sort of sensation in the body for Elisa to just feel it. And the longer I do this, the more she can bring her attention to different aspects of this. Notice how the movement in the ankle it corresponds with the movement in the shoulders. But at the same time, I may go to, to lift Elisa's leg and, oh, I can't bend the knee because she's gripping, she's clenching the knee. So there's a clue to something that might be happening in a chronic way in her body. So I'll just prompt her knee. I'll bring her attention to the knee, to the fact that it's clenched, it's gripping, it's not moving, so that she notices that. And then she'll release the knee and allow it to move freely. Mm. But, but if her knee clenches and grips every time that I go to bend it, that's a clue to Elisa that she may want to pay attention to that throughout the day, no matter what she's doing, when she's walking, when she's sitting. Is she clenching? Is she gripping the knee or the hip um, or any other part of the body? And when you start to notice this habitual clenching that you have, some people may be uh, habitually gripping their abs or their glutes, or the shoulder, the neck. Um, when we sit in front of a computer for hours in this hunched over position, we may be clenching the upper back, the shoulders, the neck in a way that becomes chronic and it's creating chronic pain, chronic muscle tension, chronic energy blockages in the body. So once you discover these areas where you tend to have clenching, you've just never noticed it before, mm -hmm. which you can discover on the massage table, mm -hmm. then you can act on this um, by starting to program yourself throughout the day, every day to just notice, oh, am I, am I gripping my shoulders? Yes. Oh, just relax that and let it go. And the more frequently you start giving your attention to that and making that correction, the body starts to, to reprogram itself and, and, and respond to the correction more than responding to that, that chronic habit of gripping. So that's one way in which you can really use information that you get on the massage table in order to make corrections to, to blockages in your physical body and things that are affecting your physical health, your pain level, and so on. Now, it's, is it some of these uh, clenchings may be because of posture, but also some of them may be from emotional issues, all that sort of thing. So do we need to get in there and kind of figure out which is which or why the clenching is happening? Um, you may you may get some sense of what it's related to, but it probably doesn't really matter. It's just the fact is that you have chronic gripping going on. So it's a more important to get in the habit of ungripping. Yeah, physically, yeah, physically, yeah. you want to unclench, ungrip, so that you can re retrain, reprogram your body to not do that anymore. Mm 
and and your energy flow is going to be clearer. I had an experience um, in the past month. I've been I, I tend to store stress in my shoulders and my neck, and I had an experience in the past few weeks where my my shoulders were getting very tight. The muscles were getting knotted up. It was painful. I'm a massage therapist, and I've been working with this stuff for a long time and with my own body. So I I know a lot of things to do. So every day I was working on getting movement in my shoulders and, and massaging my shoulders and working out the knots and, and moving my body several times a day. And I found a lot of improvement, but it still wasn't correcting entirely. So I finally asked my shoulders, okay, what do you need? <laughs> because obviously with all the things that I know to do to, to release tension from, from my muscles, I still hadn't found the right thing. And I got this very subtle message from my shoulders that said fluidity. Mm. And I thought, okay, I'm going to start paying attention to that um, at different times during the day, during different activities. Um, are my, my shoulders moving in a fluid sort of way? And in fact, I've been giving a lot of attention to it when I'm walking, instead of just thinking about where I'm going or what I'm doing, I, I've been giving attention to just feeling the way my upper back and my shoulders are moving with the action of walking and just noticing if the movement in the shoulders is fluid or not and, and working on finding more fluidity just with, with the action of my movement, my, my uh, walking movement. And it feels really good and it's feeling better. And, and you know, the fact is, Sven, our body wants our attention. Well, this is something I think most people <laughs> don't realize is that, well, first of all, you have, you have to get your mind around the concept that the body has its own consciousness and that it's kind of separate from our ego self. And as you said, it wants our attention. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes when it acts up, it's just so we'll pay attention to it. Is that right? Just so we'll pay attention? Just so, no. There, there is, I'm sure it's, it's a lack of attention. It's, well, it's a lack of attention, I think, that prevents us from making these corrections and healing. And it's a lack of attention that is... Um, keeping our relationship with our body at a very superficial sort of level. There's um, what I discovered particularly after I, I started training as an Esalen therapist is that I really, even with all those years of yoga, like 30 years of yoga, I still didn't know my body very well in the way that I came to know my body by just working with the muscles. So for example, I can I can take Elisa's shoulder here. I can move her shoulder around. I'm making contact with the front of the shoulder, the back of the shoulder. I'm pressing in to different points with my fingers as I move that shoulder around. And what Elisa is is feeling is she's feeling her shoulder in a very whole sort of way. Mm. She may, maybe she had some pain or some tension in, in one muscle. She can feel the relationship of that muscle 
with the whole shoulder, with the movement of the shoulder. She can feel the relationship of that one area that's bothering her with other muscles that I'm pressing into. So it's helping Elisa become more familiar with her shoulder and and you can you can do this yourself at home not exactly that way yeah that's actually the can, next question yeah you can um, learn to develop these sensitivities you can learn how to to develop um this deeper relationship in the body and feel more in the body by doing a little bit of massage on yourself and i do this all the time. I, I do this when I'm standing in the checkout line mm -hmm. at the market. I do this while I'm waiting for the tea, tea kettle to boil. Do this while I'm waiting for the bus. I haven't taken yeah. the bus in a while. Um, I'm just feeling, pressing into to muscles that might be tight or areas that want some contact and just moving it around and feeling what's there. And you don't, you don't really need to be trained as a massage therapist to start becoming more familiar with your body in this way. It's just a matter of giving some time and attention to really feeling what is going on. Mm. It does take attention. So it with I would think that two of the things that develop as you get a closer relationship with your body and and uh, your body knows that it has your attention is there more of a sense of trust and compassion for your body? Oh, I think so, definitely. I think that the part of the deepening relationship with your body involves your body's trust of you, whoever that is, but of the part of you that's been ignoring it. I mean, we ignore our bodies so much. And when your body starts to get the sense that you're willing to take the time to really give your attention and to try to start to feel what things feel like in the body at a deeper level, that you have that commitment to, to lighting the lamp mm -hmm. and using it to, to explore your own body, and that you have that commitment to taking that knife and using that to try to make changes to things that you find that aren't serving you well, then I think your body starts to, it becomes more of a collaboration between your body and whatever that other part is of you and your mind, really. Um, it's, it's a more collaborative effort. When your body feels like you are nurturing it, the body responds positively in that way. I had um, an experience several years ago that taught me a really big lesson that, that, that I, I still think about a lot, and I still put this into practice today. And that is one time when I was working with a woman for a couple of months who was very ill with cancer, and she, she didn't want to be taking a lot of narcotics, but she found that when I would just put my hands on her body and just hold her abdomen for maybe 30 minutes, it would relieve the pain and the nausea. So I started going to her house every day to do this with her. And she was, she was in so much pain that she could only lie in a very specific position in her bed. So I was having to distort my body in all sorts of ways to, to get into a place where I could, I could uh, hold her abdomen. So I, I was not using good body mechanics. And I was aware of this. But I was, I, was, I was focused on trying to take care of her. 
and um, my body was starting to suffer a little from, from my poor body mechanics. And one morning I woke up in my bed and I noticed that there was a, a big knot under my shoulder blade. I noticed that my, my pecs were really, really tight. I noticed this, this pain, this achy pain, in my mm. tailbone. And in the past, I might have been inclined to react to all of that by saying, oh, there's something wrong and what am I going to do about it? Well, okay, so I've got to be working up this knot under my shoulders or find a therapist to work on me. And I need to, I need to be loosening up, you know, work here, loosen up the pecs and this, this pain in my tailbone. Oh, I should probably worry about that because I used to have that back <laughs> in my cancer days too, you know. So, well, that's something I need to start that's, working oh, about. Yeah, so yeah, that's part of that learning state of personality. So that that would have been my normal reaction to just noticing all these things in my body, but on that particular day, for some reason, I just spontaneously went into a different kind of response. I started apologizing to my body for not taking care of it well. And and this was not this was not done in an intellectual way. It's not something that I read in the self-help book and thought, oh, I'll try that. This this happened as spontaneously as if I had accidentally dropped a baby and I picked it up and I was saying, oh, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. I did that with my body. It just was completely spontaneous for maybe five minutes. And I just and I just I just put my hands here and put my hands there and put my hands there and said, Oh, I'm so sorry. I haven't been paying attention. I'm gonna take better care and I'm gonna pay more attention. Oh, I'm so sorry you're hurting like that. And then I got up and I went about my day. Hmm. I didn't think about it. I didn't think about trying to do something about all these things. I just went about my business that day. I woke up the next morning and I noticed that all of that pain was huh. gone. Yeah. And so I so so that brought to my attention the way that we frequently, when we feel pain in the body, when something goes wrong in the body, we frequently respond to it with worry or fear. Or frustration. Or figuring out all the things and, we need to do to fix yeah. it. Yeah. And worry worry and fear and frustration um, causes stress responses in the body, which is just going to make things worse. But when you can find a way to respond to your body with compassion, and another C word would be curiosity. Uh-oh. What's going on there? Yeah, this feels kind of tight. And how does it feel when I move it? And how does it feel when I move my shoulder? And this curiosity, this sense of exploration, I really want to feel what's going on here because that might um, give me a better sense of how to work with it. The body responds positively and you're deepening your relationship with your body in this way. Well, is there anything else we want to demo with uh, Elisa here on the table uh, in the body, bringing awareness into the body? Well, um, we, we began speaking about how when you bring attention into the body, what you're doing is um, interrupting the habitual patterns in the mind. Right. So we're going to continue to talk about um, 
giving attention to the mind. Um, and one very nice way to do it is by getting your attention into the body. Because okay. you're, you're addressing the relationship with the mind and the body at the same time. Okay, so we'll move to that next. So we're all back here at the computer now, and uh, we're going to talk some more about bringing the attention mm -hmm. of the mind into the body, and then how that can help us bring attention to the mind. We're, so we're using the mind to bring attention to the mind, and the mind is all—it's it's just a mess. I hope, I hope you're going to help us get it all straight out. Right? Yeah, we'll unravel it all. Okay, good. So, of course. The, the, the massage table is a great place to get your attention into the body. There are many, many ways to do this when you're not receiving massage. Many ways to do this throughout your day, every day. So you don't have to go to an excellent massage therapist just to do this bringing attention into the body. No, you don't. That can be a very useful experience. But at the same time, um, I, I engage in many, many different body awareness practices throughout the day, every day as I go through my life. And, and this really began, I think, uh, years ago when I was, a, I was a busy research scientist and a mom with young kids and I was married and had a very busy life and I was going to yoga class on Wednesday evenings. And I, I would also read yoga literature. And what I, what I was seeing is that yoga teachers, yoga books tell you that um, to practice yoga effectively, you need to have a, a space in your home that's only used for yoga. And you do yoga there at the same time every day for 30 minutes, 60 minutes, whatever. And I could not arrange my life in this way. So at first I thought, well, I guess this isn't a possibility for me, but I, but I loved yoga. And I finally realized that, okay, that might be the optimal way of practicing yoga, but it's not all or nothing. And I, and I had uh, been doing yoga for long enough that I really had come to understand that it was all about bringing attention into my body. So I, I began um, developing a yoga, yoga practice for myself, which involved at, at intervals during the day, just bringing attention into my body. It might be that, okay, I'm gonna lie down on the floor, stand up and do a little yoga right now. Um, it might be in the kitchen, it might be in the bathroom, it might be out in the front porch. It might be for five minutes, it might end up being 20 minutes, but the point is to pull my attention away from whatever I was doing, especially at times when I'm transitioning from one activity to another. Okay, now I'm going to stop. I'm going to get off the phone and I'm going to make dinner. Okay, let's let's shift my energy. Let's shift the, what my mind is doing by, by slowing the mind down. Let's get movement going in my body and now turn to this new activity. Um, I, I use a lot of self-massage. I might just spend just a minute, even in a red light in the car, just grasping the muscles in my neck rotating, stretching, moving. So when um, I see you do this, I think, oh, you poor girl, you must have a tight neck. Mm -hmm. But this is just the normal 
how to keep awareness and how it to is. stay I, loose. I, I do this so that I won't have a tight. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, um, I had studied uh, meditation with a Buddhist teacher for several years, and we would we would do sitting meditation and walking meditation, mm -hmm. and I still frequently go into this walking meditation mode when I'm walking somewhere because it simply involves um, giving my full attention to the way that my body moves with walking, uh, feeling how the feet move, how the legs move, how the two legs um, uh, oppose and, and, and work together, what it feels like in my joints, what it feels like in my back to walk. It's really bringing your whole attention constantly and, and re-bring it back, re-bring it back. Exactly, exactly. I, I do it when I'm in the kitchen and I'm reaching up onto a tall shelf. So I'm stretching. So I like to give attention. I, instead of just, just having my attention on what it is that I'm reaching for, I give my attention to feeling that stretch go all the way up my back, my arm, into my hands. There are many, many ways of doing this. And what I'd like to do right now with you, Sven, and with Elisa, and with our podcast audience, is to to take a few minutes to all work together on a body awareness exercise in the form of facial acupressure, mm. self acupressure on the face. Now, I could I could the, the research scientist in me with a big analytical mind could put up diagrams that show energy meridians in the body and the ones that run through the face and the acupressure points on there and what they relate to physically and emotionally and so on. I'm not gonna do that because we're trying to get out of our heads and into our bodies. So um, if you're interested, if, if you try this and it feels good and you're interested in knowing, well, what am I really pressing on here and what, what's it doing? You can Google it. But in the meantime, um, what I'd like to do is guide us all through a little exercise where we are finding and feeling those, those energy points, those pressure points in the face, just as an exploration, instead of being told where to press and how to press. I just want us to use our fingers to really feel and explore and feel what we're feeling in our bodies in response to that pressure. So to begin, you may want to just give some attention to your jaw, the jaw muscles. Are they soft and relaxed? Is there any gripping or clenching there? Can you let that go? feels better. And then I'm taking my hands. You can you can watch as I do this and see where I'm pressing. You probably I want suggest, to describe this for the audio. Yes, but I but I I'd, I'd suggest that you that you close your eyes. You may want to peek a little bit if you're not sure, but then just close your eyes so you're not distracted by watching and you can give all your attention to feeling. I'm pressing into the, the medial point at the bottom of my cheekbone, pressing up under the cheekbone with my fingers. And I'm just feeling around in there to feel, is there any spot under the cheekbone that really welcomes that contact, where the muscles really like that, or it feels like I can really plug in there? And so how hard just, do you want to press? Well, the slower you go, 
the deeper you can go. You want to go slowly enough that you can find exactly the pressure that feels really good in those muscles. You want to find pressure that where the muscle feels like it's being engaged and it likes the kind of attention that it's getting and it doesn't want you to stop. <laughs> that's, that's the right pressure. And so you can just press in under the cheekbones, go very slowly because the slower you go, the more you can feel. If you press quickly, you might just blow past that point of resistance and all of those subtle, subtle little nooks and crannies that you can find with your fingers. So I'm just pressing into a spot that feels good under the cheekbone. And I'm very slowly moving my fingers around in that point. I'm going so slowly that I'm just sort of savoring the contact that like every little millimeter of contact that my fingers are making with the muscle and with the, the jawbone, the gums. And I might move to another point or if I feel some tension in a muscle, I'm just gonna move slowly along that band of tension to find more points than I can access there where it feels really good to get in there. And my, my muscles are so happy to have this attention. And I find it so compelling when I, when I explore any part of my body like this, I find it so compelling to just feel what I'm feeling that I don't want to stop. And so I just keep moving slowly around on the face, just looking for those points that welcome that contact, going very slowly, making very slow, slow movements, slow contact, and just feeling what my face feels like. What does it feel like when I press into the gums. Is there any tenderness there? What's, what's the gums feel like? The gums are not a part of the body that we often give our attention to. Like, how does it feel? What can I feel there? Pressing all along the gum line. Feels really good. And you can work this way on any part of your body. I frequently work this way with my neck because I do tend to store tension there. And I'll just grasp the neck muscles, find some place to press with my fingers, and just stay there with it. And move very slowly along a tight band of muscle. And just, just, just enjoy that feeling of that deep contact and enjoy the feeling of my body appreciating that attention. One of the things I, I noticed that you do that is so, well, unusual for Americans, I guess, is you have the patience to spend 20 or 30 minutes on a particular practice like that. Mm -hmm. Like you say, even 10 minutes just doing that little facial will you know really shift your consciousness slow down your nervous system mm -hmm. but most of us don't have enough patience 
I don't have enough practice of doing anything that slow for more than like a minute. Is it, is it done yet? Is it fixed yet? <laughs> you know, how do you, that's part of the C word. I guess we'll get to that in two weeks, but how do you kind of develop that habit of always going back to remember to do that or have that develop a habit of patience that I need to stop and do it for 20 minutes, maybe 30 minutes and just do it slow and easy and really keep your attention inside. Mm -hmm. That's a good question, Sven. Um, I think that in, there, there are so many ways of working with body awareness. You can, you, can, you can work the way that we were working, just pressing into different points on the body. You can do yoga. You can do other energy body exercises, tai chi, qigong, things like this. You can do walking meditation. You can do ecstatic dance. I frequently, when I have music on, I'll just I, I, music that I like, I just get captured by the music and my body wants to move with that music. So I'll just take a little bit of time and I don't even necessarily have to take time out of my day to just get my body moving with the music and feel my body, bringing my attention with the music into how, how my shoulders are moving right now and, and my spine. And I don't have to take a lot of time out of my day. I can do this while I'm cooking. I can do this while I'm talking on the phone. Mm -hmm. I can do this in the checkout line at Giant Eagle. And many of you have, may have seen me doing that here because I do it all the time. <laughs> well, Elizabeth doesn't um, know you. She's always moving. <laughs> I am. And, but but the, the, the point of it is there are so many ways that you can bring awareness into your body. There's no one size fits all sort of solution. There's no really wrong way. And the, there's no wrong way. Yeah. The the I think that the effectiveness in terms of reinforcing your commitment is finding something that feels really good to you. It's not like you're forcing yourself to do it. Oh, I have to do my yoga again today. But Oh, it felt it felt so good yesterday when I was just pressing right. into my face. I want to do that again, you know, or whatever the. And that's actually is. An, a hurdle that we have to get over mentally. It's okay to do things that feel good, you know. So many of us have this Puritan work hard ethic of you know if it feels good, it must be this must be something wrong. But you know, this is a part of the whole process is to learn to love what happens or love those feelings. Mm -hmm. And to learn to, to notice how much your body mind appreciates that contact. That's it too. It loves you back. Yes, it loves yeah, you back. It back, loves you back. back and when, yeah. when you find the particular practices that you really love, maybe it's some form of a breathing exercise. Um, there are many, many ways. But when you find the practices that work for you, you enjoy doing them. You, you start to find yourself just doing these things automatically. Yeah. Well, we have covered quite a bit of uh, information here today. Is there anything that you want to make sure you talk about when it comes to the A and awareness? Uh, next week we'll be talking about B, that's breaking bad habits. Um, and then two weeks we'll be talking about consistency and commitment. Uh, and then Christmas week we're going to talk about self-care for the holidays. That should be a fun one. And then uh, on the, the last week of the month, uh, you'll be telling us about your travels to Brazil. 
and uh, you're working with John of God and all that goes with that. So it's really going to be a fun month, especially for me and especially for Elisa. She gets to be our, our <laughs> duty demo person. But also, uh, I think it's fun to say that uh, Linda is now working in this room. So you, anybody can come and get a healing here. And Elisa is going to be uh, working here as well in what we're affectionately calling the healing room uh, here on the, in Mount Washington uh, uh, with our lovely view. So if you would like uh, to participate in that, how can they find out more about you and your work, Linda? My, I have two websites. One is peacehope.com. That's peace and hope, peacehope.com. You'll find a lot of information there about Esla Massage, about the other services that I provide, about working with me as a holistic healing coach and contact information as well. And I have another website uh, that is specific to the work that I do with John of God in Brazil. That is www.welcomemiracles.com. Welcome Miracles. That's great. And um, you don't have a website yet, though, do you? Not yet, no. Can you tell us a little bit about the kind of work you do and the massage you do? Um, well, I'm a neuromuscular therapist. Okay. So I enjoy doing deep tissue work releasing trigger points um you know much of much of body work is the same as what linda is saying we kind of all approach it we have a different approach but we're all trying to get to the same point mm -hmm. which is awareness where people you know i'm sure you understand that people will say i didn't realize how sore i was I did not realize how tense i was right because you don't you know we don't say well Sven, how is your bicep feeling today? Yeah. <laughs> and happy and unless you really touch it you don't know what that means so we're just, you know, we're helping that intervention between you and your body and, and putting it all together. So that's the kind of work that I'm doing as well. Well, that's, that's <laughs> the news from Wash, wash Mouth. We like <laughs> so that will do it for today's podcast of the Journal of Lifestyle Medicine. We will explore more about self-healing, the ABCs, next week with Linda Means and Alisa Gay. Thanks for joining us. And Yins, be careful out there.